Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogues such as The City Will Suffer a Gang War Bloodier Than It Has Ever Seen. Here to provide analysis for that line and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I've been a little under the weather and my household too, but I'm I'm doing okay. What an ominous quote you have pulled from the books uh, for us to analyze to start off. Yeah, I usually pull something kind of goofy, but I think today we're going to be taking a little more of a serious note at times, especially in the middle there. And that's because this is our 175th episode. And we try to do something different every time we hit a 25 mark. If you remember at number 25, we did our uh, Spider-Man movies. I think we did the second movie at uh, 50. Mm -hmm. At 75, we provided our own audio, like our own sound effects. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. That was fun. I think. I'm not really sure. I know it. uh, We did something like that. At 100, we definitely did our third movie one, which was the uh, Tom Holland version of Uh Spider-Man. I think at 125, we did the Choose Your Own Adventure. Yes. 150 was uh, the Sing the Summaries with Jeff Keniston. That's right. So... I had been aware, Eddie, that all of our books were featuring some characters that I wanted. We had a lot of notes about, okay, make sure you cover this. Make sure you go back and explain this. And they were always involving Daredevil in some way, especially with the Kingpin. And that quote is from the Kingpin, who has been absent from Spider-Man. He retired. Vanessa told him, pick me or Spider-Man. And he could have killed Spider-Man, but he chose Vanessa and he left. He was gone and he's about to get back in Spider-Man. And he's been doing a lot of things in Daredevil. And I wanted to cover that. So today, we're going to feature some heavy helpings of Daredevil. We're going to talk about two books from 1967. Then we're going to jump up to 1981 and cover that Kingpin. And then we will give everyone at least one The Amazing Spider-Man 237, which will also kind of involve Daredevil in some way. Are you ready for uh, our little uh, special Daredevil feature? So excited to go back to the 60s. This is my favorite vintage. From April of 1967, Daredevil 27, Mike Murdoch Must Die, by Stan Lee, Gene Colan, and Frank Iacoya. And Eddie, these summaries are going to be kind of short, but I wanted to let you know that the mass marauder, with the help of Stiltman, has kidnapped Matt, Foggy, and Karen in a helicopter in an effort to get them to reveal Daredevil's identity. Eddie, do you remember when the early books had lots of helicopters? I believe I counted the number of helicopters in a series of books for a game once. They're everywhere in the 60s. Oh my God, we used to play games on this show. <laughs> Let us know if you want another one, I guess. Uh, it's no, been a no, while, don't. right? Yeah, yeah, oh, sure. <laughs> right into Eddie and ask Eddie to come up with a game. I've got other things to do. Wrapping the story up, Matt reveals the fictional twin, Mike Murdoch. That's so he has in the storylines, he sometimes says, Mike Murdoch is my brother, you know? Yes. Uh, and, that's, and he tells the villains, that's Daredevil. So Stiltman leaves the copter to go after Mike Murdoch, but he encounters Spider Man. Matt gets himself dangerously thrown out of the helicopter so he can do some stunts. Like he falls out, ah, and then he catches on, changes his clothes into Daredevil, and jumps back into the helicopter. So he deals with and unmasks the mass marauder. I don't know the guy because, you know, we don't do Daredevil. And then he goes after Stiltman, but Stiltman's down there fighting Spider-Man. He tosses a gas pellet at Spider-Man in an effort to escape. But Daredevil uh, shorts out Stiltman's costume, and Stiltman falls into the river... Floats away with the police helicopter in pursuit. Uh, I miss this vintage of comic books so much, James B. I mean, we are covering some much better books in the 80s here, but uh, things like Stiltman's demonstration of his powers on page five. (laughs) 
but you never saw them in action. Wait, I'll show you. I just pressed this control stud, and then, was that fast enough for you? And Masperata goes, it's almost unbelievable. Your stilts move faster than the eye can follow. <laughs> now, do you see why I'm not so helpless without a partner? <laughs> I don't know, stilt man. All you did was just make your legs go up and down. <laughs> Uh, things like this explanation of his powers happen throughout this book, along with some other kind of silly things. To be, to be fair, the Master Marauder was also showing off his amazing powers just before that. And another one of those, the wizard and Mysterio, <laughs> I love you more kind of That's right. battles there. Yes. There's, there's a theme on the, in this podcast and uh, definitely in our next podcast about villains who could be working together or could be fighting. Yes. <laughs> You got anything else you want to add about this book? I'm good, James B. Let's let's continue on in the 60s. From September of 1967, Stanley presents Daredevil Annual One, written by Stanley, art by Gene Colan, and John Tartiglione. So the reason we're doing this book, Eddie, is because it involves a lot of villains who we're about to see in Spider-Man or have already been recently or are coming up in a few books. So I want to kind of cover them all. Well, in this annual, Daredevil comes across the Matador and Electro. On page 13, we get a flashback of Electro pulling Stiltman out of the water because it's like, you know, two issues ago in Daredevil's world. <laughs> the villains discuss how the five of them will defeat Daredevil in this annual. Uh, when Daredevil attacks, he acts at one point like he's defeated. And Electro doesn't want to finish him off because he just wants Daredevil to know his days are numbered. I know I'm back in the 60s when there's not only helicopters, but we have heroes playing possum again. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Well, later, Daredevil does defeat the Matador and then is attacked by Stiltman, who shoots his ray gun. Uh, the book continues as Daredevil faces Gladiator, and then he faces everyone all at once, which also includes the fifth member of the Emissaries of Evil, Leapfrog. The original, by the way, not the one who took no, out... Not the uh, sun. No, not the sun. Who did the sun take out? Speed, Speed, Speed Demon? Demon. Yes. Yeah, this is the original. This is the OG. <laughs> well, Daredevil eventually defeats them all. He heads home and he leaves all the villains to the police. Uh, the, the book ends with the splash pages of heroes and villains, just like a Spider-Man annual, trying to fill up a bunch of pages. And there's a couple uh, pages where Gene Cullen is having a meeting, I think, with Stan Lee. It's kind of goofy. So that was it. That was the second book I wanted to cover real quickly. Yeah, this book, although Spider-Man Annual 1, I think we could agree, is not as good as this one, at least in my opinion. Daredevil really got the short end of the stick as far as villains go. James B., I actually have this book, so I've read it quite a few times, and I was always like, ugh, what is this guy with a circular saw on his arm doing again? <laughs> That's Gladiator. But at least they all attack Daredevil at the same time instead of one by one. That's what happened to Spider-Man. Spoiler alert, Gladiator is going to be one of those villains-turned-hero characters. Oh. Yeah, he's going to join uh, Daredevil in, like, 1982 and be a big part of the storyline. Oh. But we're not going to jump quite to 1982 because we got to jump first to 1981. From May of 1981, Daredevil 170, The Kingpin Must Die, story and art by Frank Miller, inked by Klaus Janssen. Eddie, retired in Japan, Kingpin is now going by his name, Wilson Fisk. He sends his wife, Vanessa, to New York to hire Nelson and Murdoch. Kingpin's plan 
is to turn state's evidence against the East Coast crime bosses. Daredevil knows there's a hit against the Kingpin and finds out how serious it is when a gunman unloads hundreds of bullets into Nelson and Murdoch's law offices in an attempt on Vanessa's life. This book is very violent, and Frank Miller Daredevil is way more violent than any Spidey book. Yeah, talk about fast-forwarding abruptly here. <laughs> the goofiness of the 60s is long gone. And since I'm pretty much only a Spider-Man reader, it is interesting for me to see the tone of a character be way less like teenager, young adult, like Daredevil isn't going to the coffee bean or like, oh, what's going on with Marcy Kane? <laughs> he just doesn't have a lot of the <laughs> same problems as Spider-Man, uh, which I think focuses his attention much more on the story. So not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you fancy trying to figure out the biggest differences between Daredevil and Spider-Man, James B? Well, before we do that, can I wrap up this book? Yeah, let's do it. While Daredevil is busy killing the assassin, Vanessa is captured by the mob so they can lure Kingpin back to New York and kill him. Bullseye has offered $10 million to kill Wilson Fisk. And just as the Kingpin makes his presence known, by blowing up a decoy plane after an attempt on his life. So this whole book is about the Kingpin's retired in Japan, everything's fine, then he decides he's going to turn state's evidence so he can return to America. And yeah. they find out about it, and they try to take him out. And they 10 million bucks for Bullseye for that. Uh, differences between Daredevil and Spider-Man. Boy, you really hit the nail on the head when you said the tone of the character is is a lot of difference with the teenager and the young adult. Yes. Also, Daredevil has a job. Yes. That's my <laughs> same biggest difference. Daredevil will never be like, oh, no, I got to go take more pictures for the Bugle because I'm running out of money. My dear aunt is moving a bunch of old people into her house that I have to apparently pay for. So uh, that, that is a big difference between them in that, that regard. Uh, it's just way more stable. I would like to add, too, that some of these people have the ability to fly, and they some people don't. Like, we're going to come across the owl in our next podcast, yes. and he's always like, ha-ha, I can fly. And, like, he flies away from Spider-Man. I'm like, Spider-Man basically flies. Yeah. He, and I'm thinking, you know what? Daredevil basically flies, too. Daredevil and the Black Cat have ability to, like, be flying through the air, and you're like, how did you get up there, you know? It's unreal. It seems incredibly dangerous. I don't know. I guess... I guess I've watched people do like parkour before, and this is the same kind of idea. They're just yes. swinging and jumping across different things, but wow. So, very small margin for error for Dare what, Daredevil and Black Cat. What did you think of all these uh, unnamed villains Ugh. who are like mob bosses? They just, they're unnamed, right? They're like together, and they are bumbling beyond imagine. Where's Hammerhead or like the Crime Master or Silvermane? I, Bullseye, he sees through them so quickly. He's just like, these guys are idiots. This will be over soon. So, Well, the second book from this trio we're going to do from the 80s is from June of 1981. It's Daredevil 171, In the Kingpin's Clutches, Story and Art by Frank Miller and inked by Klaus Janssen. Matt Murdock goes undercover and joins the Kingpin's gang so he can steal the information that Fisk has collected on the underworld. The Kingpin catches him, but somehow Matt switches to Daredevil and they fight. But eventually, Kingpin just beats him senseless and Daredevil is thrown into a water tank to drown. 
during the Kingpin's exchange with the men holding his wife, uh, Vanessa is apparently killed in an explosion. Man, this book is scary. And it's, it's scary because the Kingpin, you know, this iteration of the Kingpin, because we did see him, you know, a long time ago in Spider-Man. He was scary because he was like a big dude who could move quickly and punch people. But now he's terrifying to me because... He's like omnipotent. He knows everything about everything. And he's always very controlled and measured. So when he like flies off the handle, which we can only assume he's going to do at the end of this book because Vanessa's dead and there's, uh, there's a tear coming out of his eye. I'm, I'm quite terrified. But boy, the, the writing of the Kingpin is so strong. It's like I, so the way good. he talks is so just sinister. And like you can feel him, you can feel him thinking while he's talking. Yeah. It's it, it, it's so controlled. It's like, oh, this guy, you know, what's going to happen next? It, it always seems like he knows what's going to happen next, too. So, And the book has no Nathan Lubinsky in a wheelchair trying to have a party with the other senior citizens. <laughs> There's no uh, Roger Hornsby and Deb Whitman running after Peter to talk about a surprise party. There's just, there's like no goofiness available to anyone in this book. Everything is heightened seriousness. And I think it really comes to a head in the last book I want to go over, which is from July of 1981, Daredevil 172 Gang War, story and art by Frank Miller. Thinking his wife is dead, Kingpin takes control of the mob. Bullseye has a chance to kill the Kingpin. He has a gun right to his head, but instead decides to work for him. Wilson Fisk brutally beats and kills his own top man, Lynch, after the Kingpin realizes that Lynch wanted Vanessa dead so the Kingpin could rule again. Daredevil comes calling and takes Bullseye down, but the Kingpin gives gives Daredevil all the files and basically tells him, take all these files, they'll take out everybody, I'll just fill in the gaps and become the new crime boss. Daredevil thinks about it and says, yeah, I guess I'm going to leave you in power to rebuild this organization, you know? And then in the end, Vanessa kind of emerges from the water and she's alive, but she's kind of like a shell of herself as she stumbles along somewhere in the sewers. Having uh, the classic fight where Daredevil fights Bullseye is, is such a good one. And it's so poetic when Daredevil carries the defeated Bullseye and the files exposing the crime Lord away because even though the kingpin, I guess we could say, lost something, he he really wins here because he he's letting Daredevil have the files and he allowed some of the crime lords to live so that he can frame the crime lords for the crimes that have taken place, allowing him to assume total control. It's ah, uh, it's very very fun, very good writing. Eddie, I'm very proud of you that you recognize, I see you have another note here about Josie's boss. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, you know, you said there wasn't much comedy in Daredevil. And that is true. And I like how they stick to the story so aggressively. But Josie's bar plays a prominent role. When Daredevil's trying to figure out something, he goes there. And I don't know, if someone gets thrown she, through her window two yeah. times. Right. She does tell him this is the third time this week. Don't break it again. Yeah, I saw that part yeah, there. He catches the dude just before he flies through. <laughs> yeah, Josie's bar is also in our books in the next issue. It's drawn. A, she's drawn a little differently, Josie. If you keep an eye yes. on her, uh, you'll see sometimes her hair color changes a little bit, but she always has a, the same kind of dress on and the same kind of beaded necklace. And, of course, we appreciate Josie's bar, proud sponsor of Let's Read Spider-Man. 
Eddie, thank you for letting me do a couple of those books from the Daredevil uh, world. You know, it's interesting. Those aren't even the best Frank Miller books. People would probably think the best Frank Miller books are going to come around uh, in the 181, 182 area. But those books are important for what we're getting into, which is the return of the Kingpin, because he will be back in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man books very soon and have a very important role. So I wanted to make sure we covered him. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, James. Be great. Brilliant idea. The final book we're going to talk about today is it's an amazing Spider-Man book. And I noticed that this is the second time recently I've seen the title of the book where it says like the amazing Spider-Man on the cover being the letters are getting knocked around and damaged by the various threats on the cover. I think it happened with like in a water issue too. I don't know if it was Doc Ock or something, but somebody was knocking around the letters as Spider-Man was like getting swept up in the water. Do you remember oh, that yeah. in the Peter Parker books? I, you know what? I don't remember that, but now I'm looking at the letters all getting blasted away here by the stilt man. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you know, stilt man. So, well, Eddie, you're going to take care of the summary on this one because it's back to Amazing Spider-Man. But I'll take care of the intro. And this one is from February of 1983. Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man 237, High and Mighty by Stern, Hall, and Frankie Okoya. No one is taking the stilt man seriously anymore. Wilbur Day, what a name, a.k.a. the stilt man, decides to up his game by stealing a piece of stark technology, emboldening him to take on Spider-Man again. Eddie, Stiltman is going after Spider-Man because he knows that he is 1-0 versus Spider-Man and no one else knows it. He beat him in 1967 in the book that we just talked about, which... I believe in real years, it would be 16 years ago he beat him. And I got to tell you, both these books were inked by Frankie Okoya. Oh, wow. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, same guy's tracing the spider. And then, you know, what? Why, why not go back and defeat Spider-Man again and reclaim glory? Well, I'm not totally sure why the stilt man was ever very scary, but <laughs> Peter's busy visiting Aunt May for dinner at her new slash old, this is her Forest Hill house that she has converted into a halfway house for seniors. Uh, looking distant, Nathan gives Peter a pep talk and he's quickly out to web up the world. You know, there's nothing bad about Mr. Lubinsky ever. Don't look for this guy to be a future villain, Eddie. He's he's a good guy through and through. All right. Well, we'll clip that little snippet there for you, James B. Um, when Spider-Man follows a Stark emergency vehicle, he finds a stilt man with some fancy new stilts and can't web him up before stilt man gets to the master controls of the facility. Although... Um, Wait, what was this guy's name? It makes me laugh. I should have put this in here. Although Wilbur Day, a.k.a. Stiltman, what a great name, said he wasn't much of a scientist earlier in this book, he's still able to program the entire, all the weapons inside this factory to shoot at Spider-Man. <laughs> but when one of the lasers accidentally shoots a disruptor beam at Stiltman instead of Spidey, Spidey dives into the path of the beam absorbing the blast and is knocked unconscious. Instead of squashing our hero, Stiltman carries him to safety and strides into the sunset. Again, Stiltman wants the glory, Eddie, of defeating Spider-Man, <laughs> and he doesn't want it to go down like this because, one, he didn't defeat him. Right. Two, Spider-Man was actually saving him, and three, no one would see it. 
So he doesn't bother. He tells the cops, whoever's outside, he says, look, tell Spider-Man we're even. And he just drops the body there and walks away. It's a little bit Craven the Hunter-esque, isn't it? <laughs> There's certain stipulations upon how he has to beat Spider-Man. Um, there's a scene in this book that I didn't talk about where Peter grabs someone who stole his wallet with his sticky spider hand, and it's like this guy can't get away because he's holding him. I, I don't like to get into the nuances of Peter's superpowers and how exactly does Spider-Man stick and unstick from things again, uh, but this would have been a good opportunity to explain it to us once and for all. Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, by the way, we're, we're back in Spider-Man books because now there's the wonky like, hey, you took my wallet. So, you <laughs> yes, walk, you know. so I will leave left Daredevil. Eddie, do you think Roger Stern is prepared to describe how Spider-Man's sticking on abilities can be controlled? Do you think he's ready for that? I It's way too scary of a subject for him or just about any other writer because they're they got to be worried about continuity issues, you know. I think it's clear that Spider-Man's going to go on for a much longer time since he's already been around for a long time and a big hit. So the more ambiguous they can be, the better future writers, you know, will have to make his powers whatever they need them to be at the time. And and Frankie Okoye will be there to ink it. <laughs> the eternal well, inker. <laughs> well, one person is prepared to tell what they need to tell and is me. Because I'm going to talk about today's sponsor. And Eddie, today's sponsor is straight from Japan. No, it's not heated toilets. It's Banzai Big Bald Boss Cream. Eddie, experts say it's important to keep a bald head clean, moisturized, and protected from the sun. Because any irritations will not only bother you, but be visible for everyone else to see. Eddie, do you remember when the kingpin had a gun to his head, but he still looked like a boss? That's why Bullseye joined him from confidence. How did he achieve that? Banzai! Big bald boss cream. Remember when he bludgeoned Lynch to death with his fist? Do you remember that, Eddie? I, I do recall, yes. What a moment. You were thinking, Banzai! <laughs> so become your own big boss and buy yourself some Banzai Big Bald Boss Cream today. Eddie, the first line of defense against dandruff is hair products. Do not attempt to punch people to death. See our full commercial on the Hallmark Channel this Memorial Day. Eddie, would you consider shaving your head finally and looking like a Japanese boss with Banzai Big Ball Boss Cream? I, I don't particularly like how this ad reminds me of when the Kingpin bludgeoned someone to death, but there was a very stark close-up of the Kingpin's shining head. <laughs> As it stated, it looked, you know, as good as the Kingpin's head could look. Yeah, my only question is, I don't know from this, the copy here if the Bonsai Big Ball Boss Cream is different than the old 24-hour one. in the. It sounds like Vanessa's been busy while she was in Japan finding, could it be a new uh, I'd, recipe or something? I, I think it's going to be just as good. Anything... By this line, this product line. I mean, I would think you could you I, could do this. I think we should just stick with the original. This is too questionable. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're gonna stick you with know, one. Sure, you do what you got to do. <laughs> Eddie, why did Spider-Man jump in front and take the shot? He doesn't jump in front of other lasers that are gonna hit Doc Ock or Doctor Doom or. Electro, he's not like, I'm taking the ball for these people. Why is he doing it for stilt, man? It's super unclear. And why does he think this will, like, permanently damage or kill stilt, man? I don't know. I, it... 
And Stiltman's shooting these lasers. He's trying to hit Spider-Man. And when Spider-Man gets hit by the laser, isn't Stiltman supposed to be happy about that? Apparently. I I guess it's just testament to how incredibly wimpy and how incredibly wimpy Spider-Man thinks Stiltman is, too. Like, if this guy gets hit by a laser, he's doomed. (laughs) Bad luck. Eddie, if people want to reach out and let us know all the other times Spider-Man has jumped out and saved a villain that we forgot about, how could they reach us? You can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B. Joined by... Eddie! And remember, listeners, Stiltman needs to be respected. Or not. Goodbye. Goodbye. So I liked going back to the 1960s and reading those books. And for a moment there, I thought, you know, we could really just go back and do all the 1960s books. But you could hear Stanley in these books again. You talked about the fact that Stiltman was bragging about his his power, you know. Uh, you didn't, I don't think you gave the Master Marauder his same thing. This is the Master Marauder in two panels preparing to actually uh, do his, actually, let's do this together. Okay. Go to uh, I see the issue. The helicopter? Go to, yes, below. We'll do that. Okay. Actually, we, can st- we can start with the helicopter. <laughs> this, is one, this is one page. Okay. Okay. All right. You can be your friend Stiltman. Okay. All okay? right. Here we go. Stiltman the Master. Stiltman's voice. All right. I'll be the Master Marauder, okay? All right. Between the two of us, it should be child's play to defeat the man without fear. And as you can see, I am not without the most effective resources to aid us in our little endeavor. A helicopter? Big deal. How could that make someone like Daredevil any easier to polish off? (laughs) I was hoping you'd ask. Don't get cute with me, mister. Just answer the question. I'll be glad to answer the question, just as long as you remember. If not for me, you'd be Daredevil's prisoner by now. Now kindly observe as I easily activate the force field around my ship. Force field? What in blazes are you talking about? That's precisely what I'm about to show you. It's my latest and perhaps my greatest weapon. There, now it's activated. I will give you a little demonstration. I suspect that you'll be more than eager to ally yourself with me after you see exactly what is about to happen to this heavy metal box. Look, you helped me get away from Daredevil before. Okay, I'm not complaining. Someday I'll do you a favor, maybe, but that's the end of it. What I have to do, I can do best by myself. The stilt man doesn't need any partners. If you still feel the same way, after the next minute, you're free to go. But until then, just keep your eye on this. So you think this is an ordinary helicopter, huh? Watch the box. Ha-ha! It's disintegrated! So you noticed. You think you should still team up with me? What do you think? Okay, masked man, you sold me a bill of goods. Now come with me, I want to show you something. See, you didn't give the masked marauder credit (laughs) about his... His six-panel six <laughs> diatribe to make a helicopter disappear with a lot of extra. That's the Stanley we remember. Yes. That's the Stanley we forget. We got to show it to everyone exactly what's happening here.